Hello, everyone, and welcome to the next episode of Movies with G-Rose. Last week's episode did all right. That was my 2019 wrap-up video. Kind of talked about all the films in 2019. It didn't do quite as well as uh, the last two episodes, but I think maybe the the runtime scared some people off, to be honest with you. I would love to get your feedback on it. I left time codes in that in that video, so it, where, wherever you're listening to it, Spotify, Apple Music, whatever, if you want to just jump around and listen to specific reviews for specific movies, you can do that. But anyway, let's move on to today. I am going to try harder to remove my filler words. I said um, like, and dude way too much in the last episode, so we're going to try to cut down on those. Today, we are going to be talking about the Star Wars sequel trilogy. There's the original trilogy, episodes 4, 5, and 6. Then there's the prequel series trilogy. Those are episode 1, 2, and 3. And then there's the sequel trilogy, episodes 7, 8, and 9. So today, we're pretty much just going to be talking about the sequel trilogy although of course i'm going to reference all of the other films and just to let you know whether you're watching the youtube format of this the video or you're watching or listening on spotify or apple music or apple Podcasts or whatever it is it's available everywhere so Feel free to watch the video format or just listen to it wherever you are. If you're on iPhone, please download the podcast app and rate this podcast on there. You don't have to write a review. Just tap one of the stars, and that's enough plugging. Um, I'd kind of like to give some pretext for my own experience with these movies before we dive into the actual reviews. Um, Spoiler alert, I actually kind of like the the sequel trilogy. I, I like them a lot, actually. I... And I think there's a reason for that. I, I If you've watched the other episodes or listened to the other episodes, there's a lot of things in here that you're going to hear from from those episodes. I've, I've talked about some of these things before, which is why I wanted to make this podcast just about this topic. What I'm driving at is I didn't see the original Star Wars movies until I was 18 years old. I was a freshman in college. I didn't grow up watching these films. In my criticism episode, I talked about how a lot of people have a nostalgia baked into these movies. And I didn't have that. So by the time I actually saw A New Hope, it 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 wasn't that interesting to me. I think it's a fine movie, but... And here's the thing. Here's where people are going to start. People are going to hate me for this video. People are going to say that I'm not judging the original movies correctly, that I'm overhyping the new ones, whatever it is. The Star Wars fan base is insane. I think the Star Wars fan base doesn't super know what they want from the series. I think personally, in my opinion, that um, fans of the original series have a lot of nostalgia baked into them and kind of... I want to say they give it too much credit for being a story that it's not necessarily that heavily. Uh, I didn't put that right. What I'm trying to say is that I don't think the original films are all that deep. I think they deal with some deep issues and they handle them with a fair amount of grace. But at the end of the day, the original films are really just, you know, a family of, of 
space travelers that have telekinetic powers. That's the films. And and so when you when you try to build an entire universe out of that, there's really actually not a whole lot there. You know, on my last episode, I talked about I talked with Jack about these films, and, and he brought up a point that years ago, when he had heard that they were building all of these spinoffs and sequels, he was shocked because number one, he's actually more of a fan of these films. He grew up watching them. He likes them more than I do, and he was like what are they going to do with this series? There's nothing there. There's not a whole lot of substance to dive into. There's not this huge, I mean, they built this huge universe with all these planets, but at the end of the day, they didn't, there's not a whole lot of meat in the actual films. Now there's, I understand there's also the animated series, which I've heard handles the lore a lot better. I know that there's the whole extended universe with the books, most of which were were canned um for those of you that don't know what happened was after they made the movies there was this huge collection of books that were called the extended universe they weren't necessarily canon but they weren't necessarily not canon either all of the things that they talked about were things that could be true however once disney bought the series and decided to revamp it they basically canceled all of the extended universe because there's things in that universe that that they decided not to go with they went other directions it's almost like comic books where all these different authors were building onto the same universe and from what i hear there are some really great stories in there but we're just talking about the films we're talking about what they've been able to accomplish in nine films and and that's not even including the spinoffs. There's the Rogue One, there's the Han Solo movie, all that stuff. But when you take it back to the original Star Wars films from, what is that, 1977? Uh, it's fine. Um, I I wasn't in love with it. I like Empire the most, personally. And I, I think I even put Return of the Jedi a little higher than A New Hope. They're fine. I, I appreciate what they did. It's a technological achievement. The behind the scenes is fascinating. George Lucas did a lot. Yada, yada, yada. Asterix, asterix, asterix. But at the end of the day, they don't interest me all that much. I think if you grew up with them, you probably like them more. Or maybe I'm just not a fan of the slow pacing of these films. They have a lot of charm. I'll give them that. There's something very charming about watching what they did. Because for their time, I mean... There really wasn't anything quite like this, so you got to give it to them. And they did the sequels pretty well. A lot of people didn't like Jedi all that much, but in general, they did a full trilogy better than most modern companies do trilogies in general. So you got all that going for you. Then you've got the prequel trilogies. Um, episode one is pretty renowned as being a trash film. People were so hyped to see Star Wars return to theaters, and it let everyone down. They uh, introduced uh, Jar Jar Binks, which was originally hated, and then people have grown to love. There's son the the actor that plays child Anakin is pretty trash. They revealed that Anakin is a virgin birth, and then they don't go anywhere with it. They reveal that. Uh, there's this thing in your blood called midichlorians, and then they don't really go anywhere with that. But by far, the only captivating part of this series, really, 
is the is the relationship between Obi-Wan and Anakin and watching Anakin's journey. I mean, that's really what people watch the prequels for because he turns into Darth Vader and people want to see the Skywalker series and the people that surrounded the Skywalkers. They, they I think they bit off a lot in the in the series that is interesting. I mean, they dealt they tried to be more political with it. They tried to expand the the politics of the universe and all these different planets and all these different rulers and they bit off a lot and I don't think they chewed it all off you know quite as well as they could have but nonetheless they're still pretty interesting to watch just for the amount of world building that they do you could tell that George Lucas really really wanted to step up his game when it came to the world building so there's so much stuff in the background and and extras and props and I mean, it's a it's a world for sure. It's just the story and the dialogue built inside of that world isn't written super well. Um, they 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 also build on this idea a little bit that the um, they 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 planted these seeds for the the Jedi not being all they're cracked up to be, and I think that's we'll get to a little bit later how I think. J.J. Abrams wanted to maybe pull that through into the sequel trilogy. Um, that never really happened, to be honest. But there were definitely some seeds planted in this with Anakin struggling with staying in the light side. And the, when you watch these films, you can tell that the Jedi Order didn't treat Anakin the way they should have. They didn't listen to his pleas. They... And at the end of the day, Anakin was seduced to the dark side because of the abilities and the freedoms that the dark side allowed him, that he felt he was being suppressed on the light side. And that's an interesting idea. It has roots in uh, modern day religion um, conservatism, I think. Um, maybe I'm reaching, but I do think that's an interesting concept that they could have dove into even more, but... Uh, in the third episode, Anakin says it best himself, from my perspective, the Jedi are evil. And Ewan McGregor is amazing. Uh, apparently, he's getting his own Obi-Wan show. That's completely confirmed. It got delayed a little bit, but it's still coming out on Disney+. Plus. So hopefully that's good. That's really all I can say. I mean, these films I watched like a couple years after I watched the original trilogy. I gave episode one a three out of ten. Um, I gave episode, listen to me with my ums, I gave episode two a five out of 10, actually pretty decent. And I want to say I gave episode three the same rating. Yeah, five out of 10. So not great by any means. Now, I've heard a lot of people that really love Revenge of the Sith episode three because of the lightsaber duel at the end. And that's fair. The ending to this movie is pretty great. The last like 20 minutes is pretty awesome. But again, these films are just pretty boring, man. I mean, they're they're not well written. And uh, the original trilogy, the first time I watched them, I binged them all in one day. Probably a mistake in hindsight. These films I watched um, in three consecutive days. So I watched the first movie. Next day, I watched the second. Next day, I watched the third. I mean, they, they are what they are. You know, people were really let down that they weren't the quality that they wanted them to be. The overarching plot line, though, is the only thing that really kept them alive. You know, these it seems like these original trilogies were planned, at least to some extent, 
Now, I don't know how much of this backstory George Lucas had in mind when he put out A New Hope. I don't really buy that he was thinking this was going to explode into some giant series, but he probably had the original trilogy written, and then when he learned that he had to make more of them, well, not had to, but wanted to, he probably wrote the entire original, the prequel trilogy. And I think any story is going to be elevated when you have the beginning, the middle, and the end written down first, and then you start creating the connective tissue. Like I talked about in my last video, that's what makes the, the MCU, the Marvel Cinematic Universe, so worth it. Because even when you watch a subpar Marvel film, there's still enough seeds in there that you can tell it's leading to something. There's always something in there that's leading to the next film and builds off of the last film. Some people might think that's cheap, but I think it adds something. I think it at least uh, lends credibility to the story and the value of the of, of the story. You can tell that someone over at Disney for the Marvel films sat down and wrote out what the exact arc was going to be for all of the characters. They knew where the car characters started. They knew where the characters ended. And the amount of stuff in between, who's to say how much they had written out? You know, obviously they gave some creative freedoms to each director, but they never went to a director and said, listen, do your thing, doesn't matter. We'll figure... They never said, hey, director, make a Marvel movie. And then we'll watch it when you're done. And then we'll figure out how to how to go from there. You know what I mean? They were never told to adapt to the director. The director had to adapt to them. And, you know, on, on the face value that might have seemed to some people creatively stifling, which is why uh, many, many years ago, when Disney first acquired the sequel trilogy, they announced that each film was going to be directed by a different person. And on face value, that was kind of interesting, actually, because, because it seemed that it seemed that we were going to get different feeling movies, more creative visions from different people. You know, oh, we're not giving all of it to one guy. We're not putting it all on one person's shoulders. It seemed kind of interesting that they were doing a whole trilogy directed by different people. But as the trilogy progressed, the new films, it became very clear that Disney not only gave each film to a different person, but they gave too much creative control to each person. It seemed that for whatever reason, Disney didn't have much of a plan. They didn't apply that same Marvel logic to the Star Wars universe. They didn't sit down and say, this is where we're going. And this is how we got to get there. And you can fill in the connective tissue however you want. But these are the beats that each character needs to hit. That was not present. So when the first film came out, uh, The Force Awakens... On, on all fronts, people enjoyed it. I mean, The Force Awakens did absolute gangbusters in the theaters. People adored this film because after 20 plus years of waiting for Star Wars, people just didn't want a repeat of episode one. You know, I mean, the last time that a, a new sequel, a new trilogy was being announced, 
people were burned pretty heavily. They waited in line for, for hours to see episode one and they were disappointed and they saw it multiple times trying to convince themselves that it was good. I mean, you go back and you watch interviews from those films and it's hilarious how in denial these fans are. And I think there's some of that today as well. I think that for whatever reason, this fan base is so ingrained that the fans have a hard time reconciling what films they like and what they don't. I think there's a lot of groupthink happening for sure. A lot of groupthink. Like any fan base, I mean, the same thing happens with Marvel, but for whatever reason, Marvel pleases their fans way more often. Uh, maybe it's because they lean into their fan service. Maybe it's because there's actual source material to go off of. And so when you abide by the source material, maybe you appease people more easily. With these new films, there's no, they're just going. There's nothing to base it off of. They're not basing off of the extended universe. They're not basing off of George Lucas's vision anymore. I mean, you can look up. George Lucas had a different vision for these films entirely. He had this whole thing about spirits that... that embodied the force that live in different people i mean he had a whole thing that disney scrapped so they went their own way with this and i think jj abrams hit it out of the park now before i dive into why i love this movie so much i have to tell you about why this review is inflated a little bit for myself and i understand that i give this movie a 10 out of 10 now while i do think it's an amazing movie i understand why i have it rated so highly for one, uh, you know, a big reason, the main reason that I watched the original trilogy to begin with was because I heard that they were revamping the series. And I thought to myself, well, I've never cared about Star Wars, but I want to see these new films and I want to kind of care about them. So I might as well finally get around to watching the original films. So I binged them all in preparation for this. And the originals were good. It's funny because I'd actually seen a lot of them through um the family guy parody series and through various forms of media i mean i knew all the main story and i knew most of the twists nothing was really shocking to me but it was good to sit down and watch them that being said i don't think i rated any of them higher than a seven out of ten so needless to say i wasn't a star wars fan i didn't really care that much so I went to this movie, I bought the tickets early, I wanted to get on the hype, I was into Marvel at the time, you know, at least a little bit, but I wanted to get into the fandom, I thought it would be a cool cultural thing to be a part of, similar to Marvel. Bought my tickets early, got my seats, the theater was full and electric and respectful, and it, it's a great movie. <clears throat> now, excuse me, sorry. Now, I understand that this film is a soft reboot of A New Hope. A lot of people hate it for that reason. Put yourself in my shoes, though. Someone that didn't really love A New Hope and got to see this modern retelling of it. The acting is great. The writing is pretty great. The and then everything else, the CGI, the stuff that people did love about the original is also great. There's a lot of mystery, intrigue. You're wondering how it connects to the original films, where the Skywalkers come into play, who is Rey. I think J.J. Abrams did an amazing job of figuring out what people love about these films and diving into them. 
this film opens up with a great shot of a great shot of stormtroopers on their way to basically wreck a city. And it, it looks awesome. I mean, it's super HD. You've got these cool lights flashing around. And from the very get-go, it's clear that J.J. Abrams has a beat on what people like. He is diving into the fan service aspects of the series. And when I walked away from this film, I was a Star Wars fan. And I think that's why I have it rated so highly, because you could tell the theater enjoyed the films, and I could tell that I enjoyed the films. And and because of that, it made me a fan. And and for a series to get me hyped, for one film to get me hyped about an entire series, is a testament to the quality of that film, in my opinion. It made me excited for more Star Wars films. Kylo Ren was amazing i think he's i think he's up there as i think he's like tied with vader in terms of villain quality the way that he uses the force the way they gauge his power from the very beginning i mean his intro into the series is phenomenal better than vader in my opinion you go back and you rewatch vader's intro it's like whatever he barely even does anything in the original films i mean seriously he doesn't really do much it's just the i mean he's not even in the films all that much he's in the whole series like 13 minutes or something like that in this film, the very first scene that, that Kylo is in, he orders the stormtroopers to wipe out a village and he kills an old man. You know, he's got an, he's got an amazing song, um, you know, like his theme music that plays. His lightsaber is really interesting. His voice is unique. Um, he's just an interesting character. And, and when you learn that he's Han Solo's son, you learn that... You learn that he's Vader's grandson... There's a lot in there. There's a lot to dig into. And not only visually, but on a story level, I think this film hits all of those points the Star Wars should have. And it's an, it's an adventure film. It's funny. It's got plenty of interesting action to it. It's got great lightsaber battles. And like I said, the story arcs that they planted were interesting. You've got Rey, who you think... You know, what's her past? Who's her parents? Why is she so good with a lightsaber? Why is she good with the Force? Why is it that, you know, uh, why is it that Kylo is so obsessed with taking her down? Why is it that, you know, you've got Finn, who used to be a stormtrooper that ends up turning. You've got, you've got these interesting twists on the original series. Yes. They're just destroying a death star. Sure. Yes. The father figure gets murdered and propels the protagonist a little bit harder at the end of the film. There's a lot that they borrow, obviously, but when you put a fresh coat of paint on it and you've got amazing actors like Oscar Isaac and Adam driver, and you've got, you know, the original cast coming back for some roles like Han Solo, Harrison Ford, you've got Leia, Carrie Fisher. I think they hit it out of the park. I think this film is awesome. I think it gets a lot of hate because it's a rehashing of A New Hope. And because of that, people feel uncomfortable. They feel like it's stepping on their nostalgia. Maybe people just feel like it's too blockbustery. I've heard when this film came out, some people said, oh, it just feels like they turned it into another blockbuster. But Star Wars was a blockbuster. You know what I mean? You only feel like it's not because it's so old. 
That's my take on it, take on it at least. I remember watching this film and watching all of these theory videos of, oh, is Rey actually a Palpatine? Is she actually an Obi-Wan? You know, did she actually have some history with Rey that, um, I mean, did Rey and Kylo have some history that was wiped from her mind? Maybe she was trained by Luke and so was Kylo and they're actually cousins or whatever. You know, there's all of these like theories that come out of this and, you know, there's that really trippy sequence that Rey has when she grabs Luke's lightsaber for the first time that lends credibility to some of these things. There's um, a scene that was cut from the film where Snoke is seducing Kylo in like a hallway and that was kind of cut from the film, but it's in the book for it. So it, it revitalized my excitement for the series because I wanted to know what happened next. It ended on such an interesting moment. You know, Ray is finally going to dive into the into the light side. Kylo's even more angry than he was before. They, Han Solo died in a super cool way. I mean, all of those really interesting and, and, and powerful moments were given time to breathe. And I just think that J.J. Abrams has something there that he knows how to hit those moments. He knows how to do the fan service. He knows how to integrate visuals and audio into a story. And and so there was a lot of hype built up for the next film. A lot of people sat down, and including myself, and they said, listen, The Force Awakens was a pretty good film, but it borrows so much from the original trilogy, the original A New Hope, that the next film is going to make or break the series. A lot of people said that. The next episode is going to make or break this trilogy. I think that's a fair thing to say. You know, if the... If the if the sequel to that film if to this film was a banger you know that the last one's going to be a banger and if it's not very good it's going to make you nervous for the whole thing and so ryan johnson was announced to be the uh, the director for the next film i don't remember who the director for the third film was going to be because around the time that the force awakens came out disney made a statement and said listen we have decided to replace the director for the third film with the same director as the first film, J.J. Abrams. But we're keeping Ryan Johnson as the director for the middle film. This is a lot, this worried people a lot. I mean, it's like when they announce that they're doing reshoots for a film. It's a similar thing where you don't want to hear that there's creative differences and, and, and doubt happening within the company, and within the production team. So now we have the beginning and the end of the story being directed by J.J. Abrams and the middle film, which is arguably the most meaty film for the entire story being directed by someone completely different, Ryan Johnson. I mean, yeah, the beginning of a series and the end of the series is really difficult, but in some ways it's easier because you already know what your story is. The middle of the film is where you have to like really polish it. You know what I mean? That's the part where you're going to lose people. So this worried people a lot. Regardless, though, Ryan Johnson, uh, Rain Johnson, Ryan Johnson is a pretty interesting director. He has directed uh, films such as Looper, which I absolutely adore. I think it's an underrated film. And he directed the newest film, uh, his newest film, Knives Out. He also directed. Um, so up until this point, he'd really only made, I mean, he made this movie Brick that no one saw. And maybe some other stuff that no one really cared about. But Looper was his most known film. And Looper is a film that kind of borrows from 
Star Wars. There's a lot of interesting sci-fi stuff in there. There's some telekinetic powers in the film. You can watch Looper and see how it could be like a gritty spinoff of something Star Wars related. It's got that like dystopian, uh, impoverished, but modern, futuristic technology feel to it. So when they announced that he was doing this film and I mean, I was hyped, you know, uh, I thought we were going to get a really dark, gritty Star Wars film based on all of the theory videos and the seeds that Ryan Johnson had planted. It felt like we were going to get something different. I was not of the opinion they were just going to reboot Empire Strikes Back. I thought we were going to get something that was um, something that introduced maybe the Grey Jedi that George Lucas had kind of teased in the prequel trilogy. You know, maybe we we're going to get something about how Ray, you know, Ray's a very aggressive character in the first film, and she's very powerful. So I thought, you know, since the Jedi are mostly gone, maybe Ray will be the first to be a great Jedi. Maybe she will bridge that gap and she will be, uh, you know, she'll use powers from the dark and the light. Maybe she'll team up with Kylo Ren after they learn the, their histories and maybe they connect in some way that she didn't know because Kylo's so obsessed with her in the first film. Maybe they'd team up and defeat Snoke or maybe they'd switch places entirely. Regardless, I didn't think that it would just be a rehashing of Empire. I thought we were going to get something gritty and dark and different from Star Wars. And I remember when... Um, I remember when... <laughs> Star Wars The Last Jedi. I remember when they put out the first promo pic for this film and the Star Wars font was written in red. Ooh. And people were like, oh, is this going to be a dark movie? Because the font is red. And I was one of those people. I was really hoping that we were going to get something, uh, something different from the Star Wars series. Maybe they'd mature the films a little bit. Anyway, I was hyped, to say the least. With all the different theory videos and, and expectations, I was excited. And then the early reviews came out, and people didn't like the film all that much. Um, let's look at The Force Awakens on Rotten Tomatoes. is sitting at a 93% with an average rating of 8.27 out of 10. So about an 8 out of 10 at a 93%. That's really, really good. That's a great film, to be honest with you. The Last Jedi is sitting at a 91%, higher than I thought, but the audience score is 43%. To put that into perspective, the, uh, the audience score for the Force Awakens was an 86, so there's a huge discrepancy in The Last Jedi, this middle film, where most of the audience didn't really like it, but the critics did enjoy it. That being said, the uh, average rating for The Last Jedi is also an 8.1 out of 10, about an 8. So the critics liked this film about the same, but the fans did not. At least the audience rating on, uh, on Rotten Tomatoes is much lower about half so what went wrong um you know it's funny when this film came out uh some of my friends that were diehard star wars fans really loved it and then they realized that it's not that great 
Some people hated it out the gate. I remember the reviews being pretty bad early reviews, and I had a little bit of hope, but I was not hyped once I saw those early reviews come out. And I remember watching the film, and I remember seeing these interesting moments. But ultimately, when the film ended, I was disappointed. And worse than disappointed, I was no longer excited about the series. This film did the opposite of The Force Awakens, where when this film ended, I did not care about the new one. I mean, Rogue One, I think, came out in that gap, and that was okay. But again, it wasn't amazing. And so I think people have learned uh, grown to love Rogue One a little bit more. But when when I was in the theaters for The Last Jedi and the film ended, I was just bleh. I mean, I, most people were. I mean, the general consensus, regardless if you liked it or you didn't, is people weren't excited for the next one. This movie is basically a bottle episode. The reason I say that is because if you look at each character individually, they don't really progress or change all that much throughout the course of the film. And even the ones that do progress don't progress in a very satisfying way. I'll put a link to this somewhere in the film. uh, I mean, somewhere in this episode, but I, I did a whole video about this film specifically. I talked about it for like 40 minutes, so... I won't dive into it too heavily, but the bottom line as to why I don't like this film is you can look at pretty much every character and they more or less start where they ended. And on top of that, director Ryan Johnson kind of stuck a middle finger to J.J. Abrams and it did whatever he wanted to do. He didn't seem to care about any of the threads that J.J. was was setting up. Most specifically... Ryan Johnson decided to say, you know what? Uh, Ray is anyone that Ray doesn't have any lineage. She's not an Obi-Wan. She's not a Palpatine. She has no family history. Uh, she's a nobody. And therefore anyone can be a Jedi, which if you take a step backwards is actually pretty in line with Disney. You know, Disney's all about inclusivity. So the idea of like a Royal family and only this family and only this bloodline can have the force is different for what you'd think Disney would do. But nonetheless, it was very frustrating that they decided to scrap that idea. Now, granted, some people liked it. I didn't. But regardless, to just completely ignore what J.J. Abrams was setting up is is pretty frustrating. And this it baffles me that that Disney allowed him to do that. You know, like we were talking about with Marvel it's clear that they just gave Ryan Johnson this film and said, do whatever you want, man. You know, like they didn't care that, that he was going against JJ. They didn't seem to care that JJ was doing the next film. It doesn't seem like he set JJ up for anything interesting because no one cared after this film. So it's fine. I mean, I gave this film a six out of 10. Let's see what I wrote about it. I said, Hmm. How can I? I'm trying to find my own review, which is actually one of the most frustrating things to do on Letterboxd. It's like actually difficult to find my own review for the film, which is kind of funny. But this is just dead air. 
I mean, when you look at each character, though, like, Ray starts as being good at the Force. Luke pretty much refuses to train her. They make a joke out of Luke. You know, the the end of... Oh, yeah, I forgot. The end of The Force Awakens is Ray goes, finds Luke Skywalker, gives him the lightsaber, and that's how the film ends, on the super dramatic note of, like, they finally meet. And then this film, right off the bat, you can tell that Ryan Johnson is... Mr. Subvert Your Expectations. All he cared about was, you know what? People are super hyped. We're going to do the opposite of fan service. We're going to subvert expectations. And that's cool and all, but it's not cool if you do it in a way that's unsatisfying. So how does this film begin? They turn that dramatic, beautiful moment that the last film ended on, and they turn it into the butt of a joke. Luke Skywalker grabs the lightsaber and he chucks it over his shoulder and he walks away. And you can almost hear the laugh track playing in the background. It's like such a middle finger to J.J. Abrams, you know, it's like it's like right off the bat. He wanted to make it clear that this is, you know, this ain't your mom's Star Wars story. You know what I mean? Like this is supposed to be it's like he wanted it to be disjointed. He wanted it to be so disconnected, which is so weird for a trilogy, you know. Anyway, you look at Ray. She barely gets trained, and then she's still great at the Force at the end of the film. She has no meaningful arc in this film at all. Luke is kind of a joke of a character. He has an interesting backstory, but they don't explore it much. You know, at the beginning of the film, he's almost non-existent, and then by the end of the film, he's non-existent. You know, Snoke is this this big villain that was hyped up, and he gets murdered in this film. So it's like, why did we care about him? Was he really such an amazing character? Yes, you could argue that, you know, every single, you know, Star Wars story has, uh, you know, the Sith always kills their master. The apprentice always kills the master. But still, it was like we got like a couple scenes with him and then he was dead. It felt very anticlimactic. Um, Poe's whole story is that you should blindly trust authority because some woman with purple hair told told him to do things. But she was a terrible leader and her plan just happened to work out so like his story is really confusing and vague and i think it sends the wrong message to be honest with you uh finn's story is you know his arc in the last film was to not be selfish and to um to to help out a woman that he loves i guess and in this film his story is that he should stop being selfish and help the cause Maybe I have those flipped, but either way, the stories are so similar that it's almost like they kind of just redid the same arc from the first film. Then he has that weird side plot with with Rose that no one cared about and the whole thing with the casino planet where like Disney was trying to bash on capitalism somehow, but it just felt ham fisted. Um, Phasma gets murdered and still has no real story. I mean, she's like shoehorned into both films and we she really was just made to create action figures it's you know kylo's even his stories like the best parts of the film are when kylo and ray are talking through the force you know and besides that you know you've got a couple really interesting scenes you've got the kamikaze scene that's like really really cool probably the best in any star wars film you've got the throne room scene which is pretty dope uh, you've got the final battle with Luke and Kylo, which is pretty cool. But beyond that, this film is forgettable. It's a bottle episode. 
It doesn't build on anything that happened in the last film. In fact, it actively tries to throw them away and it doesn't build towards anything in the future. This film ends and Kylo's still the bad guy leading the other bad guys and Ray is still a good guy and uses the force. I mean, nothing changed at all. So why are we supposed to care about what happens moving forward? Well, that takes us to Rise of Skywalker, which somehow was just as, if not more, polarizing than The Last Jedi. Most people hated this movie, man, and I don't understand it. I really don't. I I went into this movie with the lowest of expectations, expecting it to be absolutely garbage. But I thought it was fine. I gave it a 7 out of 10. I mean... Those of you that didn't like the uh, Force um, Force Awakens probably won't like this film as much. Maybe I just really love J.J. Abrams' take on the universe. Maybe I love the fact that he leans into the fan service. Because Marvel is fan service the series, you know? So I didn't really mind when J.J. Abrams did it for this series. Yeah, I just don't get the hate. You know, it's funny because J.J. Abrams basically did the same thing that Ryan Johnson did, where he kind of stuck a middle finger to the previous film. You know, J.J. Abrams actively tried to go back on the things that Ryan Johnson changed, which is kind of funny. But beyond that, I feel that J.J. Abrams tried to address the issues that I feel he tried to address all of the issues from the last film and from the film before that, that people criticized the series for, you know, and I talk about this a little bit in my last episode, uh, the review episode where I discussed this film a little bit with Jack, but there's all these little things like, okay, well, Snoke was, uh, was killed off too early and was anticlimactic. So he has a line about how Palpatine actually created Snoke. Palpatine is the real villain. Okay, that helps it a little bit. You've got the criticism of, well, why is it that Rey is so powerful in the first film if she doesn't actually have a backstory? So J.J. Abrams gives her a backstory because it's clear that's what he always wanted. You've got, you know, people hated the, the romance between Rose and Finn, so he pretty much cut it out of this movie. You can you get the real sense that J.J. wanted to salvage this trilogy, and you got the sense that he cared about what happened, at least to some extent. Um, and you care, and you could tell that he didn't want to just reboot the original series. He didn't want to just remake uh, Return of the Jedi because this isn't Return of the Jedi. It is something unique. It's a unique story for the series. It has plenty of amazing action moments and cool lightsaber duels. And my only real complaint with it is that it feels like he basically wanted to make two movies in one. It feels like this is the rushed version of, of the second and third film that he, that he wanted to make. Because of that, there's aspects of this film that really hurt it. The first one being that constantly things are happening just to service the plot. You know, um, constantly things just conveniently work out or, uh, you know, like Chewie, do- it doesn't die on that ship just to give them an excuse to go rescue him because they wanted to have the scene where she, where Ray finds the room with the, you know, Vader sc- helmet. So you could tell that he, uh, that 
that he didn't have time to flesh out those beats quite as much. But the upside to it is that the film is constantly moving. So you don't get too bored in any one particular place. Some people might say that's a detriment to the film, so that's fair. I will say it's interesting the things that he decided to add about the Force, though. He added that uh, the Jedi are able to heal people with the Force. That was very interesting. He expanded on the idea that Ryan Johnson made of this like connection that Kylo and Rey had through the Force, and he expanded on it with like items spilling over from each other's realities. That was really interesting. So I guess he carried that over from Ryan Johnson. The other detriment to the fact that this film feels so rushed is the fact that there's a lot of important dramatic moments in this film that are supposed to have a lot of levity that don't have quite as much because the film doesn't have time to linger on them. There's no time to mourn the loss of a character like Hux because they have to move on to the next thing. There are constantly scenes in this film where a character says his last line and the transition wipes... Oh, sorry, did I hit the mic? The transition immediately hits the screen. You know, there's no time to linger at all. So we're constantly moving from one thing to the next. That being said, uh, you know, the scene where they revisit the uh, Death Star was really cool. And there's that scene where Rey sees the evil version of herself. But again, like, it feels like a fragment of a storyline that J.J. Abrams wasn't able to expand upon. Same with the flashback with Luke and Leia way back in the past. Really cool and interesting imagery, but again, it feels like a story plot that he didn't have time to dive into. Man, I, I wish we could have seen the whole trilogy from this guy, because I really, really think he would have done some interesting things with it. But, you know, coulda, woulda, shoulda. Um, I really like Kylo Ren's redemption arc, and I feel like he's the heart of this series. What did I say about this film? I'm going to actually look up my review for it. Okay, so... The action and lightsaber duels are sick. Lots of cool force jumping. Palpatine was super spooky. I, I really thought that he was... Um, I thought the atmosphere around him was like really, really interesting throughout the entire film. And I love that we meet him immediately. Like we immediately go with Kylo to, to find Palpatine. That's pretty interesting. Uh, C3PO was hilarious throughout the entire film. Um, like he had a lot of really genuinely great moments and it was cool that, that JJ clearly wanted to rope him back into the series and make him an interesting character again. Uh, and the, I thought the comedy all around in this film was pretty solid. There are so many comedy moments in the last Jedi that just did not land for me at all. And I felt like the last Jedi was constantly trying to lighten the mood for the kids. Whereas this film feels like they placed the comedy and the, dr the drama appropriately I never felt like they were trying to cheapen a uh, dramatic moment with comedy to lighten the mood. I felt like those two aspects were placed very well within this film. And I felt like all the main plot points were, were decent, you know, like, yes, the connective tissue between them was loose and not super well written, but the actual points themselves, how they progressed through the story, how they found Palpatine, Palpatine's main plan, how they defeated him, all of that stuff felt interesting to me. Um, I would say that perhaps the final battle with Palpatine was like a little bit anticlimactic, maybe. 
But honestly, I thought it was interesting still. There's enough cool visuals and stuff going on to to make it interesting. It's just, again, because it's so rushed, there's aspects of it that feel janky. Like Kylo kind of gets brushed away and then he comes back at the very end to uh, basically give his life to Rey. Certain aspects that it's just like, you can tell they really just had to keep things moving. And it hurts the film in that way. Um, the dialogue was just average. And there's a couple of really, really cringy lines. You know, oh, they fly now. That's like a classic cringe line from this film that Poe said. Um, a really, really bad portion of this film is is Leia is so clearly ham-fisted into this movie. You can tell they didn't film a, a dang thing with Carrie Fisher before she passed away. Rest her soul. Um it's really bad. I mean, she looks fine, but you know, she says some lines on screen, but there's a lot of lines where you don't see her mouth move, which is fine. But ev- pretty much every line she says, like you can tell that they just like fed all of Carrie Fisher's previous lines into uh, an AI and had it spit out the most natural sounding phrases they could. Um, like everything she says is super generic and doesn't relate to the plot at all. You know, really, really generic, you know, oh, you can do it. You have to believe in yourself. Come home to us. Like just really flat, generic stuff. She's very, very clearly not in this film. So I don't really know what the alternative would have been. I don't know if there's a happy medium in here because I know that she passed away, but her character was still alive. Um, Oh, that's another thing that they kind of fixed from Ryan Johnson's film. There's that really, really cringy scene where Leia flies back to the ship from the middle of space and no one comments on the fact that she uses the force at all. And everyone's like, does Leia have the force and does she use it? Like, this is weird. Whereas in this movie, they at least have like one scene that shows her training and explains that she was training in the forest and she gave it up for a reason. So like, again, something that's trying to fix things that were messed up previously. But all in all, um, her her role in this film is pretty bad. Um, I think that it would have been really cool to see Chewie die on that ship. I think if Rey accidentally murdered Chewie with the lightning, it would have kept the levity in that situation, but instead they just brought him back to give an excuse to go rescue him. Um, also, I think it would have been cool if Kylo survived at the end instead of Rey. Um, I think it would have been cool if, if Kylo finds her dead um, takes her lightsaber and the other Skywalker lightsabers, buries them together, and then the film ends with him saying that line at the end, I'm a Skywalker. I think that would have been pretty cool, but whatever. Um, where did that yellow lightsaber come from that Ray just magically had at the end? Again, a symptom of just a rushed plot. Um, the Death Star sequence was really dope. All of the fighting, the water, the uh, piano rendition of the Darth Vader theme in the throne room was really cool. So yeah, I mean, there's unanswered questions. There's there's plot lines that were never answered. Like, how did Maz get Luke's lightsaber after he lost it in Empire? Um, why was Kylo so obsessed with her in the first film? whatever happened you know was there any remnants of luke's training school um the knights of ren are barely expanded on they're not really in the film this one at least people thought that was going to be really interesting there's just aspects of everyone's backstory and all these questions about what happened in between the original trilogy and the sequel trilogy that no one addressed and 
it was Ryan Johnson's duty to address some of it in more of an interesting way. And Ryan was so focused on subverting expectations that he ended up creating a filler movie that doesn't really matter. And you can say all you want that, oh, you know, J.J. Abrams should have just, you know, gone with Ryan's stuff and tried to expand on that instead of making his own story. But you can say the same thing about Ryan. Ryan should have gone with J.J.'s story and, and, and kept with his vision, especially once he learned that J.J. was making the next film. I didn't care if they had to do rewrites or reshoots or what. Ryan Johnson should have been a respectful movie maker and fit into the rest of the trilogy. Um, at the end of the day, I know that Ryan Johnson just wanted to make a good film and Disney should have reeled him in. I know that recently um, Star Wars has hired an, an executive producer from the Marvel side. Uh, I don't know if it's Feige or, or who, but they hired one of those dudes to step in and start working on this overarching plotline because they desperately need it. I mean, the Mandalorian was okay at the Disney Plus show, but it's all over the place. It doesn't have really a cohesive story and it doesn't really relate to anything that heavily you got the animated shows that most people don't even know about and they're pretty much marketed as kids shows so they're not really taken seriously by most people even though it is all canon and probably explores on lore and filling in gaps much better than any of these films have done you've got all of these side movies that no one cares about rogue one is okay solo is okay but again they're they're really, really interesting visually, and the set and the world building is really, really interesting, but the story just isn't there. And that seems to be the theme for every Star Wars series, is that the story is just not that intriguing. Um, and I honestly feel like that's where the sequel trilogy stands apart. I feel like the story is intriguing, um, but there's just no cohesion to it. You know, that you've got all of these threads that they want to build upon, but there's nothing tying them all together. You know, apparently the Skywalkers are done. Um, there was supposed to be a trilogy created by the showrunners of uh, Game of Thrones, but that was canceled, probably because Game of Thrones was hated so much by its own fan base once it ended. There's, there, there's nothing really on deck, I don't think. I think... Um, you know, you got the Obi-Wan series coming out. Mandalorian will probably get renewed, but I don't know. I never finished the show. I turned it off after a couple episodes because I think it's like a PG show. It just didn't interest me that much or whatever. Baby Yoda, right? Um, yeah, I don't... I know like the Disney World stuff that they're doing with Galaxy's Edge. I, I think they're doing some big plot line in there. That'll probably tie in somehow. I don't know. I think they're probably going to take a year or two to think about what they want to do. You know what I mean? Do they want to do more spinoff movies or focus on spinoff shows? Do they want to create a whole new trilogy? Who knows? They can't do Skywalkers anymore. At least they said they're not going to. They have this giant IP that you know they can't waste, you know, because they spent so much money on it. But... I just don't know that there's really enough meat in this story to to keep it going. And I really don't think there ever was. And some of you might disagree and say oh, that, oh, the films had enough lore and enough heart and all this nuance and blah, 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 blah. But I don't know, man. It just doesn't. 
when I think back to Star Wars, I think of cool moments. You know what I mean? And Anakin slash Darth Vader's arc is the most interesting part of the entire series. And it's such a small portion of it all. You know, Luke is a cool story, but it's nothing compared to Anakin. And Kylo is a great story that parallels, you know, it's it, it rivals Darth Vader's story, but it's not fleshed out enough. It's not cohesive enough. You still don't really know much about his upbringing, except that he was Han Solo's kid, and then Luke tried to train him, and Snoke seduced him. That's his whole arc. We don't know anything about it. I don't know. Well, that's all I've got. Let me know what you thought about these films in the comments below. I'm sure plenty of you are going to rip me to shreds. <laughs> I'm sure that uh, you all love the original trilogy. I'm sure you all love The Last Jedi. I'm sure I have fans. I, I have friends that after they saw Rise of Skywalker, they completely flipped and were like, oh, actually, I love The Last Jedi, even though like they've been hating on it for years. I don't think it's a trash movie. I think it's like a six out of ten. But these people that love The Last Jedi and then hate The Rise of Skywalker, I don't know, man. I don't get it at all. I mean, maybe it's because I didn't love the original films. Maybe that has something to do with it. But I really think that uh, it's a toxic fan base. And I think that the fans don't really know what they want. And so they ask for these things. and. They sound good on paper, but then they're not written well. You know, Solo and Rogue One, they're just not written well. So you're along for the journey, but it's just like fan service the series, but without the interesting fan service, you know? So yeah, uh, go ahead and follow me on Letterboxd. It's in the description below. Go ahead and over head over to anchor.fm slash with Gros if you want to find links to other platforms or if you want to support the channel. Um... Thanks for watching. Next episode, I'm going to have a guest on. It's either going to be about uh, a great movie that I love called Coherence, or it's going to be about the Spy Kids trilogy. It depends on how things play out with my guests. Um, thank you for tuning in. It's always a pleasure to do these episodes. And let me know what you think about Star Wars. Thank you. See you later, guys. Peace.